Well, good morning. We are continuing this morning our sermon series in uh, the book of Hebrews entitled Jesus is Better. Jesus is Better. And this morning's title is Jesus, Mediator of a Better Covenant. Jesus, Mediator of a Better Covenant from Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 13. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 13. And last week we heard from Al about Jesus as being better than the angels. And he painted a picture for us of, of God, of Jesus in heaven, surrounded by angels and throngs of his saved people. And they're, they're singing to him and they're declaring, Holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. And we have this Jesus seated at the throne with his feet on the neck of his defeated enemies. And this Jesus who's better than the angels, this Jesus who is highly exalted above all things, this Jesus is calling us this morning. And, and the question is, how can we, who are small and sinful and finite, how can we approach this God, this Jesus, who is clean and exalted and spotless and seated on his heavenly throne, whose voice shakes the foundations of his eternal temple? How can we draw near to a God like that? And the answer is, we can draw near to him because he draws near to us. We can draw near to him because he draws near to us. And that's not based on what we've done, but based on what Christ has done for us. And so this morning, we're going to talk about drawing near to God through Jesus, who's the mediator of a better covenant. Drawing near to God through Jesus, who's the mediator of of a better covenant. And perhaps this morning you feel a bit distant from God, uh, maybe because of your sin and, and your shortcomings and failures, you don't feel like you can approach God or draw near to him. Perhaps because of circumstances in your life, there's, there's just a weight and a heaviness about you. And, and I would encourage you to pay close attention this morning because God has a word for you. He has a word for you this morning from his word here in Hebrews 8. And he is the one who has purchased your intimacy with God by his blood. And he wants to draw you this morning to himself as he draws near to us. So let's read this morning from Hebrews chapter 8, starting in verse 6. If you have a Bible, go ahead and pull it out. If you don't, we do have some in the back for you. I'd love for you to have the word open in front of you because it's God's word that changes hearts, not my words. And I want you to be reading his word. Have it in front of you, mark it up, and make some notes here as we study God's word. So Hebrews 8, starting in verse 6. God's word says, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities. 
and I will remember their sins no more. Amen. For in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Let's pray. Lord, I, I ask that you would speak to us this morning through your words. God, would you, would you open deaf ears and open blind eyes? God, would we hear you this morning? Um, God, I pray if there is anyone who has not drawn you to, new, to you before, who, who does feel a distance because they are not saved by you, God, would you open their hearts this morning and their eyes that they might hear your word? And, and for those of us who have been bought by your blood, God, would you give us encouragement this morning? Would you, would you draw us to yourself through your scriptures and through your word as we, as we study about you this morning? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Al was right. We are planning to run this marathon with the, uh, with the Gonzaleses, and part of that marathon training uh, involves a lot of running during the week. So uh, Melinda and I get up early. Well, she usually gets up early, and then she wakes me up when she gets back from a run because, you know, she's much more disciplined than I am. And, um, and we go for these long runs, and sometimes the runs can last an hour or longer. And when we get back... Um, at least when I get back, she's great when she gets back, but I'm like filthy and sweaty and stinky. And, um, you know, of course, when I get home from a long run, I've missed my wife because I haven't seen her for, you know, an hour. And I just want to run up to her and give her a big hug and a kiss. You can imagine she's not terribly receptive to that, right? Uh, she doesn't really want me approaching her when I'm filthy and dirty and stinky. And the same is true for us spiritually. We're all filthy with the stench of sin. All of us have committed sin, and all of us are filthy with that stench of sin. And, and we cannot draw near to God with that filth and stench of sin upon us. We can't draw near to him and embrace him, who is a holy, pure, and righteous God, when we are filthy with sin. And so God, understanding this, establishes covenant with his people. And we read of this first, this old covenant, the established in the Old Testament with Moses, um, he establishes this covenant that is a way for them to get clean and draw near to God, right? He establishes a way for them to approach him. And, um, and we have these Jewish Christians here in this passage who are, who are holding on to this old covenant. Because in the old covenant, God established a way for people to approach him through this ritual cleansing. But with Christ, we have a new way to approach him. And, and these, these, old, these Christians in Hebrews... Um, were trusting, they had trusted in Jesus for salvation, but they were holding on to this old covenant as a way for cleansing themselves that may, they might draw near to God. So they wanted to keep the rituals and the, the, um, the ritual cleansing and the sacrifices of the old system. And the author here in Hebrews is saying to these Jewish Christians, saying that system of cleansing, that system of cleaning yourself that you might draw near to God is obsolete. It no longer applies. We have a better way to approach God through Jesus Christ. And so we read in verse 7, it says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. We read again in verse 13, he says, In speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. What is becoming obsolete is growing old and is ready to vanish away. See, there was a problem with this old covenant, this, this old way of cleansing oneself before coming to God. And it was this, that men can't make themselves clean. 
You see, the mediator of this old covenant were the high priests, and, and they would approach God through the high priest who would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. And, and these high priests were sinful, failing humans, and, and they, did not, they were not able to accomplish this work of cleansing God's people. And so we read here in verse 8, it says, the first covenant had been faultless, and he says in verse 8, he finds fault with them. See, the fault with the old covenant was with them, with, with the mediators of that covenant, were with the high priests of the covenant and the people involved in the covenant. We see again in verse 9, it says, they did not continue. See, the problem is that they did not continue in the covenant. They could not keep it up. Um, and this was true. This wasn't like a new revelation here for the Hebrews. This was true right from the start. As soon as God established this covenant with Israel, with Moses on the mountain, he came down and he, he showed the covenant to the people. He read the words aloud to the people. He threw blood on them and they all said, we will keep to this law. We will keep to these rules. We'll do everything you said. Moses goes up and what? Not even two months later, Aaron, who's supposed to be mediating this new covenant, who's that first high priest, he builds them a golden calf and they all bow down to the golden calf. Right? They don't even get two months in and they've already screwed the whole thing up, Right? And so, and so this is not a new revelation. The prophecy that, that is being quoted here in Hebrews, this one that we're reading from, it was already 600 years old when it was being quoted in the book of Hebrews. This was not a new revelation that this old covenant didn't work. This was known from the very beginning. And so this, this old covenant that was supposed to make people clean, we realize it actually was never intended to do that. Hebrews 10.4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. You see, the Jews were trying to use this old covenant to make themselves clean, but it was never intended to actually cleanse them. It was always intended to point to them to the one who could actually cleanse them, which is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. This, 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 this was always intended to be, the, the Bible calls the old law, the, the covenant, the law of God, a schoolmaster and a teacher, a tutor to point them to Christ. But the Jewish Christians that this was being written to had misunderstood the purpose of that covenant and they were cheapening the power, the cleansing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ by, by trying to wipe themselves off with this old covenant. It's like if I were to come in from a long run, stinky and sweaty, and go and take a nice warm shower, get all clean and washed up, put on brand new clothes, and then take an old dirty rag that was all sweaty and nasty and start wiping myself with it after I'd already cleansed myself. And that's what these, these Jewish Christians were doing. They were taking the old rags of the old covenant of the law and they were trying to wash themselves with it after they were already been cleansed by Christ. But the fact is they have something so much better to cleanse themselves with and that is Jesus Christ. And he is the mediator of a better covenant. These high priests could not mediate, but Jesus can. He is the mediator of a better covenant. He's a better high priest. And, and so we can draw near to him because he has drawn near to us and cleansed us. And so the Jews in this time, could, the Jewish Christians could draw near to God because God has drawn near to them. And so they can draw near to God through Jesus, who's the mediator of a better covenant. He's the better mediator of a better covenant. And we read about this better covenant starting in verse 6. It says, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since, since it is enacted on better promises. See, this new covenant is better because it's built on better promises. But the promises that it's built on aren't better because they're new some way. It's not like these are brand new promises that have never been heard of in Scripture. They're better. These promises are better because they're built on a better mediator. There's a better guarantee for these promises. 
verse 7, just before, or chapter 7, verse 25 of the same book, right before we get to this passage, he says, Consequently, Jesus, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You see, we have a better mediator for our covenant. We have a better way to draw near to God because the promises are secured by the blood of Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus Christ. This is that God that's seated at the right hand of the Father. You see, man could never make atonement for himself. Man could never buy with the blood of goats and rams their cleansing. Only God could do that. And that's what's so beautiful about the Advent season is that in Jesus, God himself became man. God was born a little baby in a manger. God became man and bought our cleansing for us. That is the beauty of the Christmas season, and that is what we're celebrating now, is that we have a mediator of a better covenant. We have a better promise through a better mediator who is Christ, Christ himself. And, and that's what's so critical about the Christmas season. It's not just about this nice story. It's about Jesus, God himself, becoming man, that he might buy for us a better way to be cleansed, an only way to be cleansed, that we might draw near to God. And so because Jesus is this better mediator, we can draw near to God through him. And we go on in verse 10, in, this, in chapter 8, we read what this intimacy that Christ buys for us, what this relationship looks like that he has promised. What are these promises that are better because they're built on a better mediator? Verse 10, it says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Well, there goes my Bible. That's not the covenant. It's not that he will throw the Bible on the ground. I've got it here. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will grave them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least to the greatest. And I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. What incredible promises he has given to us through this new covenant. Verse 12, we read that he are cleansed by his mercy. We are cleansed by his mercy. He says, I will be merciful towards their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. This is God speaking about you. Do you realize that? This is God's word about you. This is a prophecy 2,600 years ago where he says, I'm going to cleanse your sins. I'm going to wash away your sins. And this, this promise of mercy towards our iniquities and remembering our sins no more, this is the foundation for all the other promises he gives in the new covenant. See, we can't draw near to God unless this itself is true, that he has washed us, that he will never remember our sins, that they are forgotten forever. And this cleansing is not... It's, it's not something that takes time. When he cleanses us, it is done and it is complete and finished. That's why we have the picture of Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. He's seated because his cleansing work is finished. It's done. His feet are on the neck of his enemy and he's defeated. It's done. Death is dead. Your sins are forgotten. You may have had a rough night last night. I don't know what happened, what you did last night or this morning, perhaps driving into church. You had an argument with your wife in the car. Or you yelled at your kids this morning getting in, you're frustrated about something, and, and you feel like, man, you know, I just, I'm screwed up. I messed up again. It's forgotten. It's done. If Christ has washed you, you are washed indeed. If he has cleansed you, you are clean indeed. There's no waiting period that you have to wait through before I can draw near to God again. We don't take a dirty rag and wipe ourselves to try to cleanse us if Christ has cleansed us. 
we are clean and we can draw near to God through Christ, who's the mediator of a better covenant. Because he is drawn near to us. We read again in verse 10, we read of, of more of these promises that he's given to us. And he promises to us that as he cleanses us, we would have a, an intimacy with him, a heart-to-heart, life-to-life intimacy. Look at verse, the end of verse 10. It says, And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And he continues in verse 11, For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. That speaks of everyone in this room who's been bought by the blood of Christ. See, this knowledge of God, this knowing God, and him knowing us, this being his people and him being our God, this is talking about more than just a head knowledge. It's not, it's not just that you can know more about God. This is that you will know him. You will be intimately involved with God. You see, a covenant is different than just a contract. Because in a covenant, the purpose of the cleansing, the purpose of this agreement between God and man, is that we would draw near to him. Covenants are intended to draw people together. To draw people together. And so, and so we have here this intimacy that we, that we all long for. See, God has put in every heart of every man and woman he created a longing for intimacy. A longing for a deep relational intimacy that can only be satisfied by Christ. That can only be satisfied in him. And he's given each of us that longing for intimacy. And, and oftentimes we have relationships. Perhaps uh, you're single and you long for an intimacy that you don't have. Or maybe you, you do have a spouse and you're married and there's, there's, there's a, a break there and there are expectations that haven't been met and there's an intimacy that's missing. But here we have the only source of that intimacy that we really long for. Look, people are going to disappoint us. People are going to frustrate us. And we live in an age of social media where we have lots and lots and lots of friends, but we lack some of those intimate relationships that we long for. But guys, only in Christ will we ultimately find that longing for, for deep emotional intimacy satisfied. It's only by Christ's work on the cross, only by drawing near to him through our better mediator, Jesus Christ, that we will be satisfied fundamentally, ultimately, is in him. And so let's draw near to God. Let us draw near to him, intimately draw near to God because of what Christ has done through his work on the cross. And that is why we can draw near to him. We continue to read in verse 10, just a little bit before. Verse 10, it says, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will write them on their hearts. Literally, it means I will engrave them on their hearts. And this is intended to provide a contrast between the law that God brought with Moses that was engraved on stone tablets. It was chiseled into stone tablets. And he says, no, no longer will it be engraved on stone tablets. It's going to be chiseled into your heart. It's going to be chiseled into your mind. I am going to put this law in your heart and in your mind so you no longer obey out of a servile sense of obedience, but you obey out of a heart of gratitude, out of a heart of love for me. You see, God has purchased intimacy with himself for us that we might love him and draw near to him and that he might put his law into our hearts that we might obey him out of a heart of joy and gratitude. Out of that sense of intimacy is our obedience come. And so, and so we, we joyfully obey God, we joyfully serve him because he has bought us, because we love him, because he has drawn near to us and we draw near to him. And so we strive for holiness, we, we run after purity, we fight for justice in the world and our communities. We do this because Christ has bought us and he has given us intimacy with him. 
you know, we have opportunities to, to draw near to one another here in the church. We have, we're going to be starting up in the New Year a catechism. We're going to study the New City Catechism together. This is a great way to train our minds, to, to train ourselves that we might know God better up here, that we might know him better in here. We want to draw near to him. Um, you might have a friend in the church, a brother or sister in the church that you can draw near to by, by discipling one another, getting together and studying his word together, challenging each other to, to, to obey him better. Look, if we are in the light and Christ is in the light, then we don't walk in darkness. And so we walk in the light and we run away from the things of this world. And we run towards Christ and we do that together in community. That's what the church is for. We're all broken sinners. We're all screwed up. That's why we're here, that we might draw near to God together. And so because he has purchased us, we fight. Because he has bought us, we press on. It's because we're running for a goal. We're running to reach the end of that 700-mile race that we're running. We, we, we run together and we train together. That's why Marcos and I are both doing this, because we can keep each other accountable to keep running, to keep training, to keep fighting. And I want to give up, and he keeps telling me to run. He'll, he'll text me in the morning and say, David, you going to run this morning? Um, I didn't. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. And so we draw near, we, we engage our, the community that God has given us in the church, that we might run further and faster and harder and stronger, not because it earns us something with God, but because he's already bought it for us. He bought our good works, he bought our repentance, and he gives it to us freely as a gift. And so we study, and we run, and we pursue him. You know, I, I was, I was, as I was praying through this passage this week, um, there was one other category that was just heavy on my heart. And I, I suspect there may be some here this morning who as they hear about this, this intimacy with God, they hear about this drawing near to him, um, you might say, I, I don't want to draw near to God. I'm not really interested. And I, I suspect that would be because there have been expectations that you've had about your life, about the way things should be that have been broken. You, know, you, you thought life was supposed to be a certain way and it's turned out quite different. Perhaps there's, there's been pain and suffering in your life. There's been loss and sorrow. Perhaps there are relationships that you expected would look a certain way and they've turned out quite different than that. And you've been hurt. And you say, you know, I, I really am not interested in drawing near to God. Things haven't, he hasn't held up his end of this agreement. He hasn't held up his end of this bargain. I've been faithful. I've loved him. But, but look at the way my life has turned out. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And so there's, a, there's an underlying bitterness. There's an anger towards God that says, I really don't want to draw near to God because of, because of the way life looks right now. If you find yourself in that place this morning, I... I just want to very gently encourage you this morning that God has given us many beautiful promises in his scripture. But one thing that he has never promised is that this life would be comfortable, that this life would be easy, that this life would be free of pain and suffering. He's never promised us health, wealth, and happiness, and, and, and ease in this life, and prosperity in this life. What he's, what he's promised us is that he will be our God, and we will be his people. What he's promised us is that he will never leave us 
or forsake us in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of that sorrow, when everyone else has left you and have forsaken you and abandoned you, Christ will never leave you. He will never let you go. He will never leave you on your own. Christ draws near to us that we might draw near to him in the midst of suffering, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of pain and loss and hardship. Christ is our God and we are his people. And that is a promise that is built on the blood of Christ and can never be broken. Friends, this is our hope in the midst of sorrow. And if you put God at an arm's length when there's suffering in your life, you're putting at the arm's length the very one who can bring you joy and peace and life in the midst of sorrow and suffering. Don't hold him away. He wants to draw near in the midst of those trials. In fact, he uses those trials and that suffering that he might draw us to himself, that he might perfect us for his kingdom. Friends, do not draw away from God when there's suffering, but draw near to him. He loves you and he has demonstrated his love on the cross when he sent his son as a baby to die and live the perfect life and die the perfect death and raised from the dead that he might conquer sin and death that one day we have a hope that you will be with him in heaven and all the sorrow and all the pain and all the suffering will be gone forever and things will be right and they will be as they should. But in this life, he says, you will die like I die. You will suffer like I suffer. That one day you might live like I live. So let's not let suffering and pain and sorrow push us away from the very one who understands. From the very one who bought and purchased for us eternal life. Joy eternal. Life that cannot be taken from us. We have an inheritance that is in heaven being kept for us by this Christ. By this mediator of a better covenant. That keeps his word to the end. So would you turn to him this morning. Would you turn to Christ who has purchased by his blood your life? Would you draw near to him and enjoy that intimacy that he promises, that intimacy that's not based on life circumstances? This is an intimacy that's not affected by what's going on around us. It's an intimacy that goes only deeper and deeper and deeper as we realize more and more and more how much we need him, how desperate we are for him. And as life circumstances drive us to him, we will draw near to him as he draws near to us. So wherever you find this yourself this morning, I pray that you would draw near to him this morning. That you would not put God at his arm's length, whether it's because of your own sin and your own filthiness or because of the circumstances around you. Would you draw near to him because he's drawn near to you? He has washed you with his blood. He has cleansed you. He has forgotten your sins. And he has motivated your good works. And he has given us his mercy freely that we might draw near to him through Jesus, who's the mediator of a better covenant. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I ask that you would move this morning. Worship team, you can go ahead and come up. Lord, I ask that you would move this morning in our hearts, Lord God, that you would, you would comfort those that are suffering this morning. I pray that if there are those that, that are heavy this morning with the weight of life's circumstances, that are heavy this morning with the weight of their sin, perhaps are heavy this morning with the weight of others' sin and suffering, Father, would you give them life afresh. God, would you draw them to yourself? Would you, would you pursue them this morning? And as they feel you, God, moving this morning, would they respond to you as you draw near to them? Would they draw near to you, Lord God? Would you, would you motivate in our church holiness? God, would you make us a church who is holy because you are holy, who is holy because you have pursued us and drawn near to us? God, would you make us those that, that love righteousness? Would you put on our hearts your law? Would you write in our hearts your, your covenant, Lord God, that we would love you and pursue you? Would you give us a passion for righteousness because you have made us righteous? 
God, I pray that you would move on us, Lord God. Would you, would you change us, God, as we, are, as we are changed, as we draw near to you, Lord? Would you make us more and more aware every day how desperate we are for you, how, how desperately we need you, that we draw in closer and closer. And when life circumstances get hard, God, that they only drive us closer to you, not further away. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I do think we have some time this morning, and I want to spend a little bit of time in prayer. You guys can start playing, but, but I want to spend a little time in prayer this morning, specifically if, if there were those of you this morning who, who have these broken dreams. Perhaps there are these unmet expectations in your life that, that weigh heavy on you. And we would love to pray with you. Um, in the song, Jesus is Better, which we'll be singing in a moment, we sing that in all my sorrows, Jesus is better. In every victory, Jesus is better. Than any comfort, Jesus is better. More than all riches, Jesus is better. Our souls declaring Jesus is better. Our song eternal, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. This is our cry to God. Look, you can't make yourself believe that Jesus is better. God gives that to you. And so let's ask him, if you're struggling this morning to believe that Jesus is better than your circumstances, if you're struggling to believe that Jesus is better than your sin and your, and your, your brokenness, if you're fighting to believe that, good. Let's draw near and let's ask God that he would make you believe. Because he is the one who gives us repentance. He is the one who gives us hope. And he is the one who gives us life and joy in the midst of sin, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of unmet expectations. It is Christ. It is Jesus who is better. And it is Him who gives us new life. And so let's come. Let's come before Him this morning. Let's pray and ask that He would give us that kind of joy. So if you would like prayer, come, come forward. I'll be up here. Al, maybe some of our community group leaders can join us. And we would just love to pray with you and ask that He would help you to believe that He is better than anything else in your life this morning. Let's sing.